This is Everything Elite, the world's first and best All Elite Wrestling Podcast. It's AB. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up, AB? Um, it's me, here to podcast with you from snowy Chicago. Got my warm tea. Have not left the home today. Um, didn't go to the show. Would be entirely too much effort. Uh, yeah, I'm here. What's going on with you? Not much. Looks like we're going to have um, a lot of ice tonight. A big ice storm. One of the cousins of snow. Snow and ice, hand in Indeed. hand. Perhaps, I mean, I mean, I'm going to say the worst. An ice storm is worse, I think, than a snowstorm. Yeah. Me and Mike definitely talked about ice a lot recently. Was that on, was that on a Patreon show or before a Patreon show? I don't know if that made air or not, but we definitely okay. have had this conversation <laughs> in recent memory. Yeah, probably wasn't uh, worthy of air. Uh, but yeah, we went deep on ice. Uh, you're both worthy of air, I just want to say. Um Oh, ice. Oh, I'm terrified because I don't want to have to like get the driveway un-iced. Yeah. Also no, terrified it big of time. losing power. Power is important. It is important. Well. Did get a, got a, got a phone notification from ComEd about power and I just thought about, I don't know what it was, last year when all those people in Texas got charged a million dollars because it was cold once? Yeah. Brutal. Speaking of cold. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's also here. Mike didn't know, where, didn't know where you were going with that. What's the weather like around the compound? You know, uh, everyone was concerned that we were going to get like a big storm because we were we had a big storm earlier last month. And the highest snow and ice in one day total in recorded Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina history. But you know, uh, we're getting we're gonna get rain. It the thing is that for things to really hit us because of where I am on the mountains, being in the Blue Ridge Mountains, it is something that like they have to get over the Smokies, they have to get over that that leg of the Appalachians, and then they have to get over the Blue Ridge. So Asheville gets everything. I don't. And this time, I'm not getting a damn thing. It's just going to be rain. But it's been like cold and windy out here. Like wind chills in the teens, which, you know, I know that like the fancy northerners out there would be like, oh, that's nothing. You're a wuss. But when you're like used to not that, it, it's insane. And then like talking to friends and family who still live in the Metroplex, they're getting like two to three inches of ice. And I'm just like, that's that we learned last year how bad that can be down there. It's going to happen like that again. So everyone in Dallas, Fort Worth, stay warm, stay safe. Definitely stay warm. Definitely stay safe. I was thinking about how like weather is like a common small talk topic, right? It's like you run into a stranger or whatever and you're like, hey, we're going to chat for a couple minutes about this weather. Um. And that's like going to necessarily change when weather is extreme all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, no, weather is like the defining part of our existence um, in the near future. Am I, are you noticing that I have no bar on my sound bar? Is that coming through for you guys? No, you're coming through clear. 
Well, I know you can hear me, but I can't see my my waveform. Can you see yeah. my waveform? Yes, yes I see you. Oh, that's strange. It's totally blank for me. Hmm. Well, um, that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, so that's funny about talking. Also, my dad is like a big weathered head. Like he like bought like a his own weather station so we can get his like personalized weather readings for his home and all this shit. Um, which is like a funny thing to be especially interested or passionate about or whatever, because like, he'll talk to me about weather stuff and be like, this is what people talk about when they're just like talking to strangers and don't have anything else to talk about. Yes, it is that and, uh, sports, I think are the two, two big small talk things. Yes. Especially in the, in the male business world. That's right. Love to drop a, when I don't know anything else to say, I love to drop a, how about those cats to someone? Yeah. And then they're like the Northwestern wildcats. <laughs> no, no one's ever said that. They don't say that. <laughs> That's you, never how, how, much, how much do you hear? How about them? Wild Northwestern wildcats, Nate, in your everyday life? I didn't, I'd wager not a lot. Um, no, I don't have any Northwestern grads in my caress. Uh, mostly bears, mostly just the bears. Only, only thing I think about Northwestern, isn't that the, the school the kid was from in like the crying Duke picture? No, he was a Duke fan, right? Were they playing Northwestern or am I just making all this up? Uh, I, I assume it's reference to some gif or meme. Yeah. Duke, uh, they were playing Maryland. So I made it all up. They, okay. The. I mean, if you Google Duke crying kid, you'll see him. But he's basically like a young kid with his dad uh, at a game. It's Duke in Maryland, so it wasn't Northwestern at all. But the Terrapins. Exactly. Um, I, I mean, I can have this confirmed, but early in that game, they showed the kid. I texted my friend Nathan, and I said, I want to see that kid cry. and then when duke lost they came back and the kid was fucking crying (laughs) did you just i mean i i would cry tears of joy just to want something and just have it delivered unto you like that (laughs) it was uh the best the only probably called shot of my life um let's see notable northwestern things uh, the Medill School of Journalism, I think. Of which we're all graduates of, of course. Yep. We're all journalists here. Um, let's see. They went to, did they hire a coach from Colorado? Gary something. They went to one bowl game. They went to, they went to the one Rose bowl, bowl game in my lifetime. Yeah, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, but oh. they've had the same coach at Northwestern for like 20 years. And he is kind of a tyrant and he busted a union. So. Nice. Yeah. There, there was a crying Northwestern kid too. That's where this all got mixed up in my I see in my brain. Yeah, there's probably crying kids from most most schools. <laughs> sure. I just mean a meme crying kid. <laughs> yes, I know. Um Northwestern, they also isn't that where in the football team try to Yeah, that's what you were saying, right? Mike, they tried to form a union. Right, yeah. King Coulter. <clears throat> yeah. Uh Chris Evanston, great campus. Chris Collins. Did he coach at went, I had two friends that went to Northwestern went and visited them uh, once. It was it's a probably a great place to go to school in Evanston. I went on a campus visit to Northwestern. 
I thought that I, at one point in my life, I was like, I, I'm smart enough to go here until like they actually like sat you down. It's like, these are the grades you need to get into the school. And I was like, I don't care about going to this college enough to, to get my grades to that point. And that was like my last bit of wanting to go to Northwestern. Beautiful campus. Yeah, it's uh, definitely like the tough local school to get into for Chicago kids. Anyone who went to any school that people call a good school is the dumbest motherfucker you've ever met in your life. <laughs> Without, well, there is no exception. To I mean, I can, you can, I mean, that's definitely not true. It's true. Because <laughs> you can go, you can go to a very good school and then, you know, uh, get all your connections and cronies and, and profit uh, considerably from it. It's much dumber to go to, uh, and I'm, you know, somewhat guilty of this go to like an equally expensive school that's not as good it doesn't set you up with all those insider crony connections no i simply mean they're dumb in that they're stupid they are of lesser intelligence than other people okay as just like that's, that's what i assumed dumb meant i wasn't uh i wasn't confused on what dumb means <laughs> well it seemed like you were so i was i was confused then I was, so thank you for clarifying. All right, I appreciate let's move that. On. <laughs> thank you, Mike. Appreciate that you were confused. Um, what do we got here? We got a Twitter account at everything AEW. Please follow it. Uh, follow us. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah, with two eyes. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, whatever podcast app you use. Uh, you can go to linktra.ee slash everything A-E-W and find all our links. If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. If you use Spotify, give us a five-star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, the very best way to do so is go to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. It's a new month, so there's going to be new stuff over on the Patreon. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but we'll kick off the... The substance, I mean, it was all substantive. That was a great open. Uh, but we'll kick off the wrestling part of our show, as we often do, with Elite or Delete. Uh, we just like to say our favorite things, least favorite things from the show. Uh, we kick it off with Nate. What was your uh, Elite pick, your favorite thing from this week's episode of Dynamite? I do love the word substantive. That's a word that I get a lot of use out of when people will send me obnoxious emails that are like... Hey, just doubling back on, just wanted to follow up with you on this. Do you have any updates on X and Y? Uh, no, there are no substantive uh, updates on this thing that I'm well aware of, and you don't need to follow up with me. Uh, <laughs> just an aside about the word substantive. I'm going to go with our first segment, or the second segment after the first segment. Had a very solid Moxley and Wheeler Uta match to open this show, I thought. I thought this match was... Uh, much more engaging and, and brisker than Moxley's match from Rampage last week. Um, you know, they plugged Wheeler Yuta in here and uh, gave him this shot to have another crack at John Moxley. Um, and uh, I thought it worked out pretty well. You had the added elements of Orange Cassidy and Danhausen, and Danhausen may be the second most over person in this match. Actually, I don't, I don't think there's an argument. I think he was the second most over person in this match. Um, and then, you know, Moxley gets the decisive win in a brief amount of time. Love to see that. And then you get Brian Danielson coming out here to just 
walk into the ring and confront John Moxley, uh, which is like a funny third step in this story that's been iterating over the last couple of weeks where it's like, oh, Brian Danielson is watching John Moxley from the floor of the back of the arena. John Moxley is wrestling a match and Brian Danielson is watching him on a monitor. And now Brian Danielson is just magically appearing in the ring after a John Moxley match. So that amused me. And then you just get a great promo from this tremendous character that Brian Danielson's doing where he's uh, acting like he's above AEW. He's kind of condescending to all the fans and everything they love and saying, I know you guys all love AEW. It's so great, blah, 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 which is, you know, really directly contrary to his promo he cut in this very city when he debuted in AEW was like, the reason I'm here is because you guys are so awesome and you all love AEW so much. And now he's just using that exact same line, but as a heel line. Um, and, you know, invites John Moxley. Hey, you know, I saw you as the, the best eight champ in AEW history. Uh, I saw you as the top guy. Um, and then now you've come back here and uh, you shouldn't be out here with nobody watching your back. And because, uh, of course, that's how he lost the title to Omega, I suppose. So we should team up instead of us facing off, which also fits well because, you know, Danielson's whole thing with the page thing was he was ducking the fight over and over again. So it was, I was kind of chafing at the idea. Oh, Danielson kept ducking page when he's got the title. I don't get that. Uh, and then he just comes out and he wants Moxley right off the bat. No, he doesn't actually want Moxley. He wants to team up with Moxley and avoid that fight. Um, and then you just get the fun little stuff where he's running through all the, you know, young boys, young lions, uh, you know, up and coming talent that they could have uh, and doing all these little subtle burials and shots at these baby faces while he, you know, even puts them over. Daniel Garcia, Dante Martin, Wheeler Yuta, Lee Moriarty. Um, and, you know, saying, you know, fucking Sammy Guevara's got a vlog. Anyway, great promo. And uh, I really like this as the next sort of thread for both these guys to pursue for their next story. Um, cause Moxley a little bit lost in the shuffle after, you know, having lost the title, um, down cycling, um, you know, uh, and, and being away, uh, and then Danielson, you know, also just losing that title challenge. So he's got to find something new to do. So they're gonna, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to a team here. There's some good intrigue cause I don't know what they're going to do next, which is always a fun thing, but. You know, anything makes sense, and I'm confident that Brian Danielson's going to make it work because he's made everything work uh, superbly, stupendously to this point. Yeah, it's something that, like, the intrigue is what gets me about this promo, about this storyline, because it looked like it was just like, oh, Danielson wants a fight, and then said he inverts it and goes like, no, uh, we could fight. I've always wanted to fight you and, as, as what you've become now. And seeing like this and how you were, I, I always want to do this, but I realized, and maybe this is partly him ducking him in a way. And that's like a great thing about Danielson as well, is we don't really get his motivation here. And it looks like he's sincere. He's acting somewhat sincere, but we've known for the, the last two months that he's not necessarily as sincere and honest about his intentions as before, but he like, he plants the seed in his mind. And it's not just about, him and Moxley and then all the people he 
uh, all the young guys it was like you shouldn't be wheeler yuda you shouldn't be hanging out with orange cassie you should be with us you should be a better pro wrestler lee moriarty matt seidel just flies around you you should be with us uh daniel garcia and then daniel garcia tweets and is somewhat intrigued by this so it kind of is like him like spreading his tendrils out but kind of in a way this also with eddie kingston and with eddie being hurt right now it 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 can lead to something like that as well it could be like eddie being like oh yeah no this guy is using you i have your back and i think that that's a very intriguing part of this as well and i think that's like what this segment really accomplished was is that you have moxley there the variable ace of the company coming back and being a little bit adrift since coming back and then you have danielson and we don't know his motivations his machinations and just cuts like this promo where he's like oh you don't have to make this decision now just think about it just think about it so that we can kind of see this play out throughout the next few weeks and it's just it, it was something that I was like I did not see this going this way and I think that that's really awesome to see where this plays out like I'm all in on wherever this goes to now just this one promo and it wasn't even a long promo I'm invested in it and I want to see where it goes to as everyone knows I fucked up uh trying to tell my friend Rob's joke on the show last week I think that was last week uh so I'm going to steal this idea from Rob, but I'm going to, I guess, not steal it because I'm giving him credit for it. So Rob was saying in a, in a text that, you know, he would have loved, he would love for this to be real, right? Like a, an actual Mox and Danielson team, maybe a faction where they bring on some of these other guys. Of course, we all agreed that uh, that was unlikely. But then Rob says, uh, the obvious sort of is that Mox declines, but Brian already has his actual faction lined up to help him take Mox out, right? I think that is an interesting idea. Like, could be a, a fun way to go where as soon as Mox says no, Daniel Garcia and Lee Moriarty, whoever, you know, however they decide to do it, uh, just attack Mox and we go off from running there. And then Eddie Kingston can get worked in. And if Santana and Ortiz are going off with him from Inner Circle, they can get worked in to the story. So there's a lot of fun ways to go. Yeah, yeah, either way they go, I think should be interesting. And, and I have confidence in these guys to make it work and make it logical. And if they can, you know, boost up that next generation of dudes while they're doing it, all the better. All right, Mike, what was your favorite thing from this week's episode? I absolutely love this man event. And it was something that I know a lot of people were kind of dreading the main event when they saw like how much time there was left but it but and they they started off like having a match that was very reminiscent of like a continental spot show main event in 1987 where it just was a lot of working and doing crowd brawling and doing the pendulum in the ropes punches and doing like this i was like oh they're just feeding off crowd reaction and the crowd was rabid for this and instead they, they went from there into this like incredible just like just ride that they took us on and i thought that that was something that this is one of i think it might be my favorite cm punk in the last match since money in the bank 2011 i just thought that punk kind of just like getting beaten down but still trying to find ways and like pulling things out of his his moves that they don't see 
for a long time, like the Pepsi plunge. Like there was like that sick roundhouse kick they did in the final moments. The poison Rana that he took completely on his neck and shoulders 25 minutes into the match. A well done uh, false finish with the garrote and uh, the idea that Bryce Rumsberg is the most incompetent ref in the company. He just completely plays up the role of like, oh, MJF would have gotten away if it. He didn't drop the rope there. MJF, I mean, he might be the best entering wrestler in this company outside of like Pac. And it's something that it's kind of insane for me to think because how much I was not liking this, like the liking this feud, like the fact that like they had to do a super cut of the promos to make people go like, Oh yeah, th- this is a coherent feud. And it wasn't, but this match was magical. And it was something that you even had Wardlow come out the end, just completely in it, doing the, will he, won't he moment. And then we see on the replay that like, he just, because he has to, he handed the ring to MJF. He did not seem happy about it, but MJF, but Wardlow doesn't necessarily emote that much. So you kind of have the question of like, is it everything okay with Wardlow? Is this going to happen? Like, I don't know if Wardlow is ever going to turn MJF at this point, but I bought into it for the 30 seconds before the finish. And then the, uh, the picture in picture showing him sliding the ring to him. I just thought that this was an absolute masterclass. And it was something that, you know, I wish everything leading up to this match was as satisfying and made me like amped up to this because that would take us to an absolute different level for me. But I thought that this match was... I'm trying to think of a singles match in this company in the men's division that I've enjoyed in recent memory as much of this match. It might be the Omega and Phoenix match last year. So like over a year. like This is my favorite match they've had in the company in over a year. and Probably my favorite punk match in over a decade. I thought this was magical yeah i came away from this really impressed with both these guys uh you know ability to work ability to do the little stuff um you know i i think i said on the show last week like you know i expected this match would be very good you know we've uh been saying for a long time that njf is a a great in-ring wrestler uh we know that punk has the ability to go and have transcendent wrestling matches um, and there were definitely parts of this match that were totally transcendent. Uh, the, you know, I guess this is both kind of a, they were so good at like the midway point of establishing what a war this was. And like punk was selling that he was destroyed in his arm and his knee. And like, you know, then he came down to poison Rana on his neck uh, and it's like, okay, yeah, no, I absolutely believe that this CM Punk guy is in extreme physical pain and, uh, <laughs> you know, in agony wrestling this match and still doing everything he can to fight back against MJF here. Uh, and then he had to do that for like 15 more minutes. Um, so it's like, I don't know, there, there was a little bit of a little bit of a pacing or timing thing in the middle there where it's like, yeah, I'm like so impressed with this war that these guys are having. Uh, and then it's like, okay, we got to the war and, and we still have some time before the finish. We need to, we need to do that time as well. And it is, I don't know, maybe that was an ad break and it just kind of lagged a little bit for me. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, the broad strokes of this match really good. Like you said, all the interaction with the crowd and the fan stuff uh, was really good. I was struck by punk taking, MJF to ringside and having some fan chop him. 
uh, and and Punk just you know having a big smile on his face after that. He had a big smile on his face during the pendulum spot and the uh, the ten punch spot and just all those those old school babyface things where you know you get to do a ten spot and you actually get to ten and the babyface looks like he's having the time of his life because he's getting to beat the shit out of the heel is just like the stuff that's been lost a little bit. It's like, yeah, no, this guy hates MJF and he wants to beat him up. And now that he's doing it, he is having the time of his life. And you don't always just get those. You don't always connect those dots on those character things sometimes in wrestling. So that was great. Um, I was struck, you know, there's like a total moratorium in WWE now, even more than then. But even then it was like, you cannot interact with the fans at all. Like you can't jaw with a fan. You can't react to a chant. You can't do X and Y. Now they just have to like, you know, they just dub in fake sound for all their promos and shit. So it's even worse now. And it's just a stark contrast where no MJF. I mean, yeah, punk can take MJF to ringside and have a fan chop this guy and then, you know, get a big thrill out of it. So that's great. Um, yeah. The finish. So the, the fake finish was fun. Uh, punk firing up as a white meat baby face after that was really fun. You know, they did the same thing, I think, in the MGF Jericho match also in Chicago at All Out, right? Where they did a fake ref something and then they gave it more time, I think. Um, so that was kind of a funny little callback. And then they did the Wardlow one, which I totally bought on, you know, Wardlow stepping away from Punk and it's like, oh, you know, here it is. He's he's going to let Punk finish him. Uh, and having a little touch where that was actually Wardlow dropping the ring to MJF was you know a nifty little nifty little thing um i guess it i can't unreservedly say i love it just because it's like a 40 minute match where you have heel cheating that gets reversed and then you just do more heel cheating at the end um i which you know i think is a, a valid storytelling thing to do fits in perfectly with mjf's character you know gives punk his first loss that's all fair to do but yeah i don't know the what's that match uh sean michaels and mick foley maybe where they have like a tremendous match and then some kind of fuck finish and it, it'll just always have a little a bit of an asterisk for me i guess because you do those little heel cheating and this is a, a company where heels cheat to win um at least once per show if not two or three times per show recently so yeah really strong um but yeah, it, it, did I enjoy it more than uh, Hangman versus Danielson too? No, I didn't. I don't have any big takes on this. I thought it was good. I didn't care about the story, so I was like out of it completely for the first, I don't know, five to ten minutes. But they won me over. They had the crowd the whole time. The crowd, I was going to say they won the crowd over, but that would be unfair because they always had the crowd. And the crowd was still in it. 30 minutes deep or, you know, whatever ended up going. So it was successful on just about every level you could think of. The crowd liked it. The story made sense. I mean, I agree with you, Nate, that it's not really the kind of story I like, and especially because it's so common that it really doesn't have any impact. You know, it really doesn't have an effect on you uh, because you've seen it a billion times. So, it, but it makes sense. You know, I get the story they're telling, so that that's fine. Um, I would have preferred for this feud to end. Clearly, it's not going to end. So we'll keep riding this uh, for a while, at least until Revolution, I'm sure. And uh, perhaps past that, depending on what the whole thing with Wardlow 
turns out to be and, and where that goes. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it was a it was a good pro wrestling match. Yeah, the you know, if this was the one cheating to win spot that they've done in the promotion, you know, in the last six weeks, then maybe you go, oh, dastardly MJF, he fucking used the dynamite dozen battle royale ring to cheat us out of uh, a CM Punk victory after this hard fought war. Um, but, you know, Adam Cole wins by a low blow every week. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you, th- when you do it that much, you, you're, you're not playing uh, for me. Anyway, you're not putting your heat on the wrestler. You're going, ah, Tony keeps booking these, these cheating finishes. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe that's just, uh, a difference in fan culture now or something, but yeah, it'll continue. I where's revolution at this year? Orlando. Orlando. Will they blow it off at Orlando now? Maybe. I mean, I think they could. I mean, that's four weeks out first week of March Orlando. I mean, I think tickets are going okay there. This could probably sell some more tickets. I, I could see that being the right point for that. I mean, makes sense. Feels like the the one program that has been built up, like as much as like the program has been, like they've built it up enough that like they could string this around along more than four for four more weeks. We might not enjoy it, but there is a runway to get to Orlando. Considering my dislike of the story, I expect them to blow this off at all out. <laughs> Yeah, that is, if I want to find a frustration, you know, the the story did not evolve here, I don't think. Like, there's not a there's not a new step for it to do next week where Punk comes out and and says, ah, you know, I learned this thing in this match. Um, so now that's going to change the tenor of the feud or whatever. But no, we just, you know, got MJF using the ring to cheat to win, which, you know, he does all the time. So it's not like... Anything new is like, yeah, you did exactly what I expected you to do. Now we're going to keep talking to each other uh, until we do it again, I guess. Yep. Maybe in a cage or something. I, uh, you know, um, maybe if Wardlow gets more involved, that would be at least, I, I think, a fresh element to it. I don't know what you do or how you do that right now. I mean, he's been pretty heavily involved. I mean, he was forced to kind of keep it on during the match, mm-hmm. and then he was forced to powerbomb him last week. Like, he's been an active element of it. It's just, like, now we're getting to think of him having doubt. Like, that might... Wardlow might be the person to carry this to the pay-per-view. Yes, yeah. So you, you are right. You're He certainly has been a player. They did the match, etc. Um, but maybe we get more Wardlow, your favorite agency, and he becomes more of a catalyst that would that would i think at least freshen it up for me to get because i'm you know super high on wardlow all right i think that makes it my turn uh not a lot that i thought was excellent on the show i think you all certainly picked the two best things on the show the other thing that i liked not necessarily because i liked the segment but because i liked that this thing existed was the apparent uh, entry in, onto the actual wrestling roster of Paige Van Zandt. I mean, I was calling for that. We all were calling for that back when 
she was first showing up in those American Top Team segments. Of course, I uh, can't have nice things. So her as a wrestler is going to be against Brandy. I mean, I'll take what I can get, but I'm excited to see Paige Van Zandt wrestle. And I, I assume, surely to God, that's where this is heading. So I'm going to give it a uh, preemptive elite. Wow. Okay. I'm going to roll this into my delete. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think Paige Van Zandt is a, a pretty interesting addition here. And it would be cool if she can come out and, and be an effective wrestler or whatever. I hope, you know, this is the same thing I said about a go-go. I hope they don't just have her in there doing the same wrestling moves as anybody else. I hope she can, you know, do what's unique to her and uh, whatever, if that's her MMA stuff or her bare knuckle boxing. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see that. And if she has any chops, I guess, I think she's, uh, you know, got the other tools. I think she's got the, the charisma and I think she's got the audience buy-in already. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you on all those. Uh, the segment in which they set this up, <laughs> uh, was my delete cause it was insane. Um, the, so this is basically what we've talked about ever since the first Lambert and Brandy segment, which is that uh, Cody's weird tweener thing, his Codyism, um, like extends to Brandy in a way. Uh, but because Brandy's not like able to go out and do these crazy matches or whatever that are just become these total spectacles and you just like gotta have gotta hand it to him brandy you know doesn't have that sort of uh eject button or she can't bail herself out by going through a flaming table or you know doing a ladder match with sammy guevara or whatever um so when she comes out here and does this weird thing that she does with her character it totally undercuts dan lambert's heel thing which he acknowledges here which <laughs> uh makes it all the more perplexing this is, I will say, this was a lot like Cody's little ladder promo where impossible to look away, totally riveting uh, because you just have no idea what's going to happen next uh, and a dozen bizarre things could happen. Uh, but was this successful? I don't know. I guess maybe if you're setting up Paige Van Zandt, uh, who was a heel and being managed by the biggest heel on the roster, if you now want to set her up to be a babyface being managed by the biggest heel on the roster then i guess this is how you would start to do that but it's hard to say <laughs> because I, I, the first thing out of brandy's mouth is a heel local heat joke which uh, so here's my psychoanalysis i think um i think she knows that she's not going to succeed as a babyface uh but she's supposed to be a babyface so she like you know, is cute, too cute by half and tries to come out and like disarm it by being like, well, I can't be a baby face. So I'm just going to be a heel. Uh, and that's going to be, you know, totally destructive to the d dynamic of whatever I'm doing with Dan Lambert. Um, but because she can do it, she just does, which she acknowledges also. Uh, you have the men of the year here, just total window dressing to this. I have a nonsensical line about, we hired Ethan Page so we could get Josh Alexander, but then they didn't get Josh Alexander. So what does that mean? Doesn't mean anything. Um, and yeah, you have Dan Lambert doing the other thing that Cody does, which is like, oh, I'm just going to use a bunch of inside terms and talk about your heel turn and 
so on and so forth, but I'm a heel, even though these are babyface lines. I don't, there, I don't, there's no way to parse it. There's no way to make sense of it. I think because it doesn't make sense. Um, but it was, yeah, riveting. You couldn't look away. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, but Paige Van Zandt's cool. Yeah. Do we know what they're doing? Like it, it's a car crash. Like, you can't look away from it. It's like watching a flaming car wreck. Like, you don't know what caused it. You don't know why it's happened. But you're like, this is happening. Everything is happening. Uh, and, yeah. And, it, and I've seen people already, like, claim that this might be contract tampering, <laughs> which is wild as well. Was what, there's... Josh Alexander? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Listeners, I was not riveted. By the segment. I don't know how you can't be riveted because it is insane stuff. It's like it's like one of those things where I'm embarrassed that it's happening like for her. And so I just like can't look at it. See, I I will, uh, you know, I, I think Brandy does have something in that I would be embarrassed for her, except that she seems to be pretty comfortable and confident while she's doing this car crash. <laughs> Uh, she's steering into worse it. To me. Like, <laughs> she kind of is steering into it yeah <laughs> yeah it's cronenberg's crash with brandy Rhodes. <laughs> it's what i don't know who did the other crash with brandy Rhodes. <laughs> uh yeah i don't know who did that either <laughs> who fucking knows yeah i don't know man it's just a it's a bummer that, uh, as you said, whenever we first started talking about this, however many weeks ago, that Lambert, you know, your your top heel essentially is just completely declawed, and now Brandy is getting the shut the fuck up chance that Lambert used to get. <laughs> yeah, like who who comes out ahead here? Like who who wins? Like who comes off better in the end of this? Yeah, I mean. Maybe they'll go out and have a crazy match. Then, then Paige Van Zant will win, and then people will cheer that in a big way, and they'll be excited to see her. That's that's the best case scenario, I think, for it. If Brandy beats Paige Van Zant, it's a negative for everybody because it's not going to make uh, uh, Brandy any more, uh, you know, received as legitimate or liked. Um. But, you know, it'll just be more cronyism, whatever, uh, uh, complaints about her, I suppose. So I can't recommend that. Brandy should knock her out. They should have, like, a total bloodbath brawl is what they should do. Like yeah. the uh, Bula McGillicuddy versus Bill Alfonso match from ECW. Um, yeah, the women's I division think that's should the, be a division. Yeah. That's their best shot for making hay out of this is just uh, have Brandy, yeah, go full full death match mode. Um, and yeah, maybe you, maybe you get Paige Van Zant established. That uh, you, you know, I guess a positive here is, I mean, not that this was in question, but hey, we, we know Paige Van Zant's going to get time, going to get an opportunity to get established here because uh, you know Brandy's going to get whatever time she wants. It seems like. Uh, which uh, she acknowledges. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's it's fascinating to me that it seems that 
the Bucks and Omega kind of got, you know, their power was kind of sucked up by Tony Khan, it seems. You know, they kind of have to do, they do their thing, but they do it within the, the flow of the game, right? They're, they're within the context of the show normally. And mm-hmm. Cody and Brandy appear to just be able to do literally any fucking thing they want. And I don't know if it's Yeah, there's no filter. The, yeah, I don't know if it's because yeah. of the reality show. You know, they're like, maybe they're beloved by uh, T- Turner execs. I don't know, yeah. but it's fascinating. I will that ask... Does- I, I was gonna say I'll ask my mom, who's whose only exposure to AEW is through Rose to the Top, if she likes the Cody and Brandy, because that would answer that question whether or not if it, this is baby facing them for the TV show. Yeah, I mean that is what it seems like. I think that's how everybody kind of reads it: is that Cody and Cody and Brandy get to play their music however they want. Uh, I guess we don't, you know, maybe Tony really loves them and this, so. That's why they get to do it, um, and maybe he's piloting it for him. I just can't can't know or say, but it is a curious dynamic. Tony overbooks everything, so I mean, I think it's very possible that he just enjoys Codyism. Yeah, well, you know, I you know, you got to hand it to Codyism sometimes. I shan't. Maybe one day, not today. All right, uh, listener elite is going to be look. Everybody's elites were about the things we've already talked about. So, uh, listener elite, our friend Grinder, who gets shouted out from uh, quite regularly, uh, but Grinder's elite, the guide dog Alex. <laughs> you know, like that might be the first time that Pack has actually interacted with Alex Aprahantes. Like it, it, it always seems like that Alex is Penta and Phoenix's friend, but like the fact that actually Pack was using him as a guide dog is actually acknowledgement that he exists. Because before this, I was not certain of that. I can't endorse this. I cannot endorse making Alex Abrahantes an elite pick under any circumstances. He's always a delete to me. Um, the 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 blindfold thing, I I don't think it worked or got over. <laughs> I think the uh, people were just be like, "Oh wow, Pax ducking his forearms and and going for backspinning heel kicks while wearing a blindfold." And you know, people just well, you can see the blindfold. Who fucking cares? Um, so yeah, I, I didn't like it. We should do elite and delete uh, Valentine's cards. You know, it's coming up on the holiday. <laughs> Like as a as a merch idea, <laughs> I mean, ten dollars. I, mean, I, I just meant like a like a JPEG, <laughs> you know, not an actual. Card. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say, if I uh, it, you might get in trouble if you if you send your kid to school with with Valentine's cards. I say, I delete you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have any kids. Yeah. Gr- great news. <laughs> Was this a thing in in your guys' school, like elementary school or whatever, where you'd have to give out Valentines to everybody in the class? Oh yeah, yeah. Because everyone oh, yeah. would decorate the box and put the box yeah. in the front of their desk, and yeah, y- you weren't allowed to skip people. Yeah. How yeah. weird was that? You you made your little Valentine inbox. Right. What yeah. a strange. Why was... why does this have to be a, a school kid tradition in the first place? <laughs> yeah, but then, and it's but like, then sometimes you why would a teacher want to? Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um. 
which is uh, a tough needle to thread for a child to be like, okay, I have to write a Valentine for every kid in my class, uh, but I want to make one special. Uh, but how do I do that without being too obvious about it or whatever? Tough to do. I got, uh, I definitely at least once, probably more than once, had wrestling Valentines that I took to school without a <laughs> Oh, question. yeah, like the WWF ones? Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm confident that I did not. <laughs> I did not did not watch wrestling at the time of mandatory Valentines. Hmm. I definitely did. This is, All right. Uh, this is becoming more strange to me the more I think about it, that there oh, was the, yeah. compulsory Valentine handing out. And on on top of that, like as a teacher, would you really want to get all the kids hopped up on sweethearts and just like cheap candy? Like, like, would you really want that to be like a thing? Like, how is that accepted that, you know, middle schoolers and elementary school kids, they just get just wired because you're gonna put the candy in the box, too. And there's no way you you can tell the kids not to eat the candy after the candy's in the box. Well, I think you're probably right about that, but it is also probably nice as a teacher to have just like the last two hours of the day be like, okay, have your little party. And then, you know, look at your phone or whatever. How about hopped up on romance? Definitely don't want the kids hopped up on a romance. You That's don't. the worst result of this is, is hopped up on romance. No, you don't See, want that I, at all. When I was bringing no. my WWF cards, I was bringing wrestle <laughs> and romance to the table. <laughs> Big Tenru guy back in 1994. <laughs> Love I was. Tenru. I was. I did. All right. Let's talk about the stuff we uh, did not like. Nate has already, I believe, deleted the Brandy segment. So, uh, Mike, I'll just shoot it straight to you, brother. What you got? I want this damn goop to mean something. Because people get gooped, they lose their vision for a little bit, but like. It, I want the goop to matter and instead just being like a uh, heel thing to do. I mean, like Julia Hart apparently still can't see pack who knows when he got his vision back. So like, what does it mean to goop people constantly? And unless it's like, cause we know Tony Khan had the angel fire website, right. Of all the different colors of mist. Like we need to know what this black goop means. And the reason why I'm saying this is not because like there weren't things on I like the show a whole lot. I'm just like, man, the gooping is getting out of control. We have to figure out what the goop means. What does the goop mean, Nate? Please tell me what the goop means. Okay. So we have three instances of the goop, I think. We have... Oh, four at least now. Okay. Well, we have uh, uh, Pac was temporarily blinded in one eye by the goop. Had to wear an eye patch for a while. And then his vision healed, and he was mad and a bastard. We have he got, he got gooped twice because he had, he got gooped with the eye patch on. So he's been gooped okay. Twice. I don't I don't if you're gooped with protection, it doesn't count as a gooping to me. Okay, okay. So that just always wear always always wear protection <laughs> when you're gooping. <laughs> um, we have Julia Hart who got. I gotta acknowledge that. <laughs> what did you say something? Yes, yeah, it just like sex doesn't count oh i was making my own joke uh and i talked over you so i didn't hear it (laughs) um we have julia hart she got a light gooping you know you could you could barely even see the goop in the air so it's like a 60 percent gooping she 
consequently was blinded in one eye, presumably wears an eye patch, uh, and then started wearing long pants and being and asserting her independence from the tag team of insufferable bros that she hangs out with. So that's our second instance of gooping. Um, and then we have the third one with Pentagon, right? Is that the only, is that the remaining one, which makes you lose the match, but he loses up matches all the time anyway. So hard to draw a conclusion there. Cody got gooped and then he went insane. Cody got gooped. That's right. But he didn't, he didn't lose vision, right? No, no. He just, he just went full on with Codyism, and then we had the two titles and a ladder match. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hard to, yeah, you're right. I don't see a, a commonality here, except it does certainly have the potential to impair your vision. Um, yeah, you know, I guess there's maybe, did Pac become more of a bastard? Um, maybe he did. Julia became uh, uh, more independent and assertive, uh, and Cody went harder into Codyism. So... Maybe the gooping just kind of dials you up to 11 of what you already are. So maybe Pentagon will have even less fear now. He'll be even more fearless. That's all I can guess. Maybe break some arms again. Maybe maybe that's what it does. It taps into it. Maybe we, we get someone that we thought Lars Fredrickson in the front row was Vampiro for a moment. Maybe we get Vampiro in the company and starts breaking arms. Well, he did... Uh attempt to break Cody's arm uh, and it just didn't take Cody didn't sell it. Well, there's going to be Mike, we're going to be talking about Vampiro pretty soon. You and me. Oh yeah. I know it. I'm looking forward to it. The human torch match. Have you ever seen the human torch match? No, I have not. I was not watching that era of WCW. I have not I've seen the human either. torch match. Have you Nate? Oh yeah. I love that era of WCW. Uh, that's great. Absolutely. Um, Okay, I think it's my turn. Delete. I'll just I'll do the easy one. I'm gonna delete uh, Brian Kendrick, who was also deleted from this episode of Dynamite. Uh, Brian Kendrick was announced. I don't know yesterday, recently, that he was going to uh, wrestle John Moxley tonight. He was just released from WWE, uh, but throughout the day, it uh, came out. I wasn't aware of this previously, so I don't know if it was already out there or, or what, but. Apparently, Brian Kendrick had said on multiple occasions, A, that he did not believe that the Holocaust was as bad as it was, that really only 250,000 Jews died in the Holocaust. <laughs> and and Bix had a whole video that he had posted about uh, basically Kendrick going down the Jews are reptilians uh rabbit hole. So it was very bad and so bad that Tony Khan pulled Brian Kendrick from the show. So yeah, I'm just going to delete Brian Kendrick. Yep. Can't argue with that one. Um, you know, I was pretty prepared to come on the show before he got removed and complain about, you know, another replacement level wrestler getting a landing spot here in this company for some reason uh, with way more obvious downside than upside. Um, and uh, thankfully they pulled him. Uh, you know, I think Tony did a statement about gathering more information or something. He said, oh, he's not going to be on the show. I gather more information, blah, blah, blah. I think Kendrick did some apology tweets during the show. I didn't care to look at them really. Uh, but yeah, I hope they 
aren't intending to use him um, going forward or anything. Yeah, I assume he was in here, you know, uh, obviously been friends with Brian Danielson, who loves hanging out with dipshitted conspiracy theorists. Um, so, yeah, delete. Yeah, delete. I mean, it, it just was something that, like, I was aware of Kendrick being a dipshit before this, but not to this degree. Like, I mean, there was an entire high spots shoot series with him and him and Paul London, who distanced himself way before this all emerged of them talking about conspiracy theories. And it's something that not to this level, not to the stuff that was tweeted around today. You, you just had to. And it's just something that is just like, why in the first place, Brian Kendrick, other than, I guess he's now, he was now collecting the Cruiserweight Classic playset instead of just the Ring of Honor playset. But he also was in Ring of Honor. But yeah, delete. See ya, Brian Kendrick. Uh, listener delete. Got his go. ass. You nailed him. You killed That's him. That's right. Man. Fuck you. See ya. I'm not going to say what I normally say about people I don't like because I don't need that again. Um, listener delete my uh, good friend and longtime nemesis, Drew Spears. Delete. Uh, talking about Mox's rehab slash sobriety as Box recently took some personal time for himself. It makes it sound like he's beating off. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. <laughs> yeah, if you do want to get if you want to get shouted out in the elite elite section. Uh, you got to go off the beaten path a little bit. Don't take one of the three obvious ones because the three of us always looking for low-hanging fruit. Um, second tip, if you can include a reference to beating off, uh, Aaron will probably laugh at it and then put it on the show. Absolutely. Sophomore humor always gets over with me unless it's MJF. Yeah, they got to get the good brothers back in this company. Exactly. All right. Well... There wasn't a lot on this show, so we've talked about almost all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I'm looking right. at the run sheet, and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I we mean... should we run through the uh, run through the poll? Oh, sure. Yeah, let's. Uh, well, do you want to poll update? Well, let's let's hit what we haven't hit on the show yet, and then let's do the poll. Poll attacks. Uh, as you know, John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, Moxley with the paradigm shift. Then we had the Danielson thing. Then we had the Brandy and Dan Lambert, Paige Van Zant thing. Then we had the AHFO backstage. Uh, Matt Hardy was disappointed in private party. Um, Kentucky was also playing Vanderbilt as this was going on. So right. I missed. Um, Andrade was there and something yes. happened, but I'm not exactly sure what happened. So, so uh, Andrade was also frustrated with private party, but then Matt Hardy brought up, why isn't Darby a part of this yet? And Matt Hardy was like, oh, and Andrade was like, oh, we got to, we got to talk to his boss. We got to go do this. And then Matt Hardy went, oh, more De Niro. And that kind of was it. All right. Yeah. I, I, I love Andrade and Jose. I love Isaiah Cassidy. Um, you know, they're, they're going to some kind of intra stable dissolution thing. Cause that's what they do. Uh, and that's, I think they should all just get along and be happy doing business together. I think that would be so much better if this was just like a successful <laughs> business venture. Imagine if we got to see the AH, the AHFO board meeting with private party, big money, Matt, Andrade and Jose, and they just have like a pleasant board meeting, 
you know, yeah. like they, they and, and I mean, the, the problem about They're the, following Robert's rules of order. Oh, absolutely. Point of information, point of personal privilege, you know, all the all the hits there. And I mean, they're talking about like future business acquisitions. They could talk about how they are trying to get Darby to, they're trying to buy the contract of Darby. Like this is an awesome segment there because they're going to come into a problem because Andrade does own 51% of the AHFO, but Matt Hardy controls the board of directors with three seats. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, this is, this is the meat of the issue is what you just said. Uh, And so I think you're right. We need to see the board meeting. They can have uh, mega administrated or whatever. Um, this is, this is where the money's at. Uh, the blade dressed sick as hell, like always taking notes. He's the one that's taking notes, calling off the agenda, right? I, I'd like to see, uh, Matt Hardy, you know, Matt Hardy and Andrade have a disagreement in the board meeting. Matt Hardy cites to Robert's rules of order. And then we get, I don't know, two to three weeks of skits of Andrade trying to find Robert so he can buy him. <laughs> 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 yeah, who's, who's yeah. a good Robert? That yeah, Robert Root is out. Who's in, who's the second Robert? <sighs> Ro- uh, they go to Bobby Fish. Like that's not uh, <laughs> Robert <laughs> Fish. I, Robert Fish. Not, I didn't. That was not a Hispanic accent. I just attempted Robert <laughs> Fish. He just says <laughs> yes. I, I, I mean, the, 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 they try to go find Rob Naylor. I mean, there's a lot of Robs thing they can bring out here. I mean, Robert Gibson. Bring him. Robert okay. Gibson. Yeah, yeah. 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 Rob- going through all the Roberts. Just trying to figure out who wrote the, the, these rules of order. Nothing? No buys on Rob Black? No, I didn't. Uh, I can't. You, I'm not hearing your jokes. But I, but I, I need reactions. <laughs> to you bigger. I need you to go bigger. Okay. Well, I heard you and <laughs> I know Solda. I heard that. Rob and Black? Well, <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'm laughing. I'm laughing. That's <laughs> all no. I'm asking for. No. All right, then we had uh, Pack and Penta versus uh, Malachi Black and Brody King, and Brody pinned Penta after uh, the Black Goop. Can somebody settle for once, once and for all, what the name of this team is? Malachi Black and Brody King. It's the House of Black, right? No, they are a Did part they have of another? House of Black. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they had one. Then PWG they brought over. Is that right? Yeah, Kings of the Black Throne. Okay. This was another heel cheating finish where he just cheated and to win the match. Yeah, yeah goop the, into the, the exact uh, same bad show. dominator. Yeah. They yeah. just do these constantly. But how how can you okay, as far as I know, there's only two people in the House of Black, all right? Well, you know, he keeps gooping all these people. One of them is gonna be corrupted by the goop. It's just do they really or also need a tag gonna... team name? No, no. We're going to get someone actually being converted by the goop. Like, maybe the goop is just, like, he needs to find someone whose tendency is to get spooky. Maybe he needs I... to go goop someone who's spooky already. Go goop Abaddon. I like um, ha- having individual stables and tag team names is actually good to me. That's, I don't know, something something about my, like, disordered wikipedia brain is like oh i like that distinction that this is the stable and this is the tag team within the stable even though they're the exact same members house of rob black okay (laughs) there we go there we go yes sir there we go you're right rob black should be in the stable (laughs) thank you thank you all right 
Um, Adam Cole is backstage. He says he's still undefeated, and his record reflects that the Orange Cassidy match was a fluke. Uh, but he's not getting enough respect, so it uh, sounds like he's going to get mean, and he's starting with Evil Uno on Rampage this week. Yeah, this was good. You know, Adam Cole does like a two-camera heel wrestling promo with like a panache that people do not really do anymore. Even You know, he's not breaking any new ground here whatsoever, uh, but, you know, he just has the little performance aspects where you're like, that guy's a professional. I am terrified by what this means for AEW games, guys. Because we know Evil Uno streams every Wednesday afternoon with the Chugs. Like they're wow, playing every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. How can they continue these streams after he gets real mean against the guy he goes plays Windjammers two with? Like real, real bad for the content. I'm not worried about it because uh, Adam Cole, a very studied distinction between his on TV character and his social media presence. All right, Much like the, the Nightmare Factory Twitter account. <laughs> uh, then we had Nyla Rose versus Ruby Soho. Nyla won with a beast bomb. Thought Nyla looked good here. Pretty good from Nyla. Um, did she have what I call this a dominant win? Um, you know, a solid win for Nyla here. Did Vicky cheating lead to the finish? I don't think it did. Just a, a distraction by Vicky kind of led to the finish. Yeah, she, she broke yeah. up a near fall, like pulling the, Nyla's <laughs> leg to the ropes. Yeah, she yeah. interfered. Yeah, heels cheating. My whole thing is really just that when Ruby came in, she was like super over. And at the time I was like, oh, this is a big test because you can find like, are they going to create a non-Brit road for being a star in the women's division? And now Ruby is just another person on the roster who doesn't really mean anything. So it's just a bummer. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, Adam Page. Came out to the ring with Tony Schiavone. They do this. There's thing. more left of this show than I thought. I thought we were like done. Me too. There's a little more than I thought as well. Uh, they did this thing they normally do where Tony Schiavone's there and he asks one question and then he is no longer part of the promo. Uh, Adam Page says he's been champion for 81 days, but he's only got to defend his title twice. He's been looking for a challenger for three weeks and he still hasn't gotten one. I didn't understand that because I thought Lance Archer <laughs> is his challenge. Yeah. So wasn't sure what he was getting at there. So he wanted to fight Lance. Now, Dan Lambert and Jake Roberts interrupted. Lance came out. They brawled. Adam Page was going after Lambert. Archer hit him with a chair from behind. More brawling. Hit the blackout through a table. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of cool little spots at the end here. Uh, they were dangerously close to baby facing Lance Archer because he shut up the two old guys. Uh, and Dan Lambert was about to do some cancel culture thing about the Blackhawks and Indians, which was approaching unfortunateness. Um, Blackhawks, uh, more more bad looks and bad news from the Blackhawks today uh, while this was happening. Um, but yeah, Lance Archer saved the segment. Um, match should be good. You know, be a good deathmatch win for Paige. Uh, and then on to the next thing. 
<laughs> I missed this in the YouTube chat. But yes, I do want to apologize to the listeners. Uh, we're trying to do an erudite discussion free of sophomoric jokes on this show. So I take back everything I said earlier about beating off. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't or Rob Black at him. <laughs> no, I don't take any of those jokes back whatsoever. Okay. What else happened? Chris Jericho is backstage. His hair just looking fantastic. He looked so good here. Um, Mr. Irvine. Did he get... I mean, the hair looked all new. Yeah, yeah. I think he refreshed the plugs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, but skin tone looked nice. He didn't look like he was uh, hungover or... Oh, he definitely had uh, both over cooked. Yeah. Um, he- yeah, I was like, wow, okay, Chris. You gotta... You gotta... You... you he had a glow. A glow? Okay, that's good. Yeah, sure. Must have a new girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe wanted to react to that, but just couldn't decide where to go. Because yeah. you missed that, listeners. All right, I'll just move on. Uh, he said what Santana Ortiz did last week was disrespectful, unacceptable. Does Eddie Kingston have some kind of influence over you? I'm more of an influencer in AEW than Kylie Jenner on Instagram. So he's demanding an inner circle team meeting next week. And it's mandatory. That's right. You have to bring Valentine's. (laughs) (laughs) This will be like like the first time Jake Hager has been on TV, I think, in this calendar year. Bring Catalina. When, yes. I mean, when Brady said bring... the thing about your fighter lost to Jake Paul, I thought she was going to say Jake Hager. Like, she's just going to point out, like, can you believe? What was the next line she did where she, like, didn't seem to know Amanda Nunez's name or she yeah. didn't know how to pronounce it? That was weird, right? That was definitely weird. It Very was weird. wild. All right. And then CM Punk versus MJF. MJF won, as we've discussed. Um, all right, this is normally where we talk about the Patreon, which is where our new uh, real-world champion poll exists. So, right. Nate, tell us all about it. Yeah, so uh, this is our my new project for 2022. Basically, just a poll on the Patreon to determine who the real world champion of professional wrestling is. Um, your eligible candidates for a given month are holders of the top men's and women's titles, in the top 20, 25, 30 promotions in the world that defended or won those titles in the previous month. Um, you know, kind of like a fun, cute little kayfabe thing to do. Um, what did I say? Oh, so yeah, if, if the PWF 500 is like the coaches poll or the AP poll for football and ELO rankings are like the RPI, and this is like the playoff selection committee where our esteemed patrons are voting on who the actual top champions are. And uh, you get some interesting data. You got some good uh, good participation rate so far. And I'll, I'll run you through sort of the top tier of our leading vote-getters. Um, I'm not going to give away who the – I don't know. Are, do the, are the poll results public once you vote? I don't know if they are or not. I don't think so. Okay. I think they are. Maybe. <laughs> Okay. okay. Yeah. 
Well, they probably are they before you vote, I guess, is a more interesting question. Anyway, so uh, sort of our leading vote getters, just in the order in which I uh, listed their promotions, uh, Adam Page, Kazuchika Okada, Katsuhiko Nakajima, and Jonathan Gresham for the men's title. Uh, women's title, Dr. Britt Baker, Suri, um, and I would say Miyu Yamashita are your leading vote getters for the women's title. So uh, we'll have the results in seven days, so right before Dynamite next week. And uh, as we track this throughout the year, we'll get a good sort of picture of who was the fightingest top champion in wrestling for the year. Um, and it's interesting to look at. So Kento Miyahara in the mud right now. Kind of disappointing, I'd have to say, so far. Where is he at? Well, you know, fake promotion, really. Wasn't expecting a lot there. Yeah, um, I, I, I give my thoughts on why, uh, why I believe all Japan is right now, what they should do, which is die. But yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, who else is in the mud? Yuji Okabayashi in the mud? So much for strong BJ. Okay. Just, just Rev Pro in general is in the mud. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, wouldn't mind seeing some more support uh, behind Jun Kasai. Jun Kasai. Did he have. He's not the Big Japan Deathmatch champion right now, or is he King of Freedom? He's, he's the Freedoms. Yeah. Freedoms world champion. Yeah. But sadly, the King of Freedom did not defend his title yet. He, he'll defend his title on Friday. So. Is that Kai's nickname? Is that what that is? Yes, his nickname now is the King of Freedom. Why is his nickname the name of a title belt of another promotion? Well, for one, Dragon Gate fans don't follow any other promotion or anything involved in Japanese pro but wrestling. Kai knows other promotions. Yes, he is, and he's technically still a freelancer, even though he's only wrestled in Dragon Gate since 2019. That's a weird nickname, but I do support Kai. We all support Kai. Pro Kai. Uh, Wikifay's messaged me to defend his vote for Jonathan Gresham. And I said, brother, somebody's already voted for Moose. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm glad to hear that he's participating. You don't have to defend that vote. Uh, You know, well, you know, maybe if I do have a criticism about that vote, Jonathan Gresham uh, wrestled to a double pin against Josh Alexander on a show that Jonathan Gresham booked. So this is a champion (laughs) who booked himself to get pinned. Uh, which to me is not exactly world champion of professional wrestling behavior. But is that contract tampering though, Nate? Uh, I don't believe it is, but we'll have to ask smart Mark Sterling. Yeah. Yeah. Let's know smart Mark. <laughs> he, Adam was giving me permission to call him out. If someone asked who the fuck voted for Jonathan Gresham, but Gresham Gresham, well. he's in that top tier. Absolutely. Got a lot of crypto ROH fans on our Patreon, apparently. Oh, absolutely, we do. Table and all his friends. Cubs, uh, Cubs is an ROH liker. That's true. So that's on our Patreon. So a little something fun to join in on. We have lots of other stuff. We do light the dynamite preview. Uh, we talk about Rampage every week, uh, and I'm pretty confident. Coming out this month will be This Is Sting. I've watched about 50 Sting matches so far. I'm up to the very end of WCW. I'm going to watch some TNA matches and the WWE matches. And then I'm going to say, Mike, 
here's some amount of matches I want you to watch. Oh, I just saw who was uh, talking about contract tampering. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Mike, yeah. Mike kept referring to. Okay. <laughs> Look, yeah, we try yeah. to keep it. We try to keep it PG on this podcast. Never <laughs> nasty. Never nasty. Always clean. Yeah. Uh, I I'm ready for that. I'm really stoked because I think I've talked about this before. WCW is not necessarily something that all of it I'm very well versed in. So I'm ready to see what you throw at me. I see what exactly a Human Torch match is. You know, and then I have something cooking. I'm kind of waiting for the shoes to drop for it. And we might be seeing some shoes drop soon. So we'll see. I also, this is just going to be a teaser, booked a big guest today for a show we're going to be doing in March. It's going to be March themed. Oh. If if you're on the Discord, then you know what this is. Yeah. That's true. And you should hang out in the Discord. You would know what it is if you're in the Discord. That's right. So it's such our... valuable information to have. That's right. <laughs> our Discord, honestly, is sick. So if you if you join the Patreon, uh, come over to the Discord. Uh, Patreon.com slash everything elite. Sign up. Uh, World Tour, our Patreon show that where we talk about Rampage this weekend. I don't think I'm involved. It's uh, Nate and Mike. Is that right? Yep. Yep. All right. Nate and Mike will be talking about Rampage from Chicago where we'll have Adam Cole versus Evil Uno, Thunder Rosa versus Mercedes Martinez. The TNT title will be defended, Sammy Guevara against Isaiah Cassidy, and the FTW title is on the line, Ricky Starks against Jay Lethal. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see this uh, Rosa-Martinez match, given how they have kind of have built it by not really building it other than just smash cut backstage interviews so that'll be kind of interesting uh isaiah cassidy i know nate you are big on isaiah cassidy so this is going to be a big uh opportunity for him on on friday i'm kind of excited to see how that match turns out for him yeah i think it's he's going to deliver um you know but uh, of course i don't know if there's any way he can wear his two watches or talk about pounding ass while wrestling the match uh but i think he's a pretty good wrestler too the all elite white people account in the mud for this episode of Rampage for sure. <clears throat> a great showcase for many of the excellent uh, wrestlers of color in AEW, and also Jay Lethal will be there. Dynamite next week is in Atlantic City. We got the Inner Circle team meeting and the AEW men's world titles on the line. Adam Page against Lance Archer in a Texas death match in Atlantic City. I, I still think they need to like go find a casino that's gonna be bust that's gonna be broken down. I think they need to like fight into a casino. He needs to uh, do a blackout through a blackjack table, and I think that that needs to happen. I'm pretty certain about that. Yeah, I think we should bring cinematic matches back. Yeah, we're kind of missing out on that, aren't we? I mean, Aaron, don't you think this would be a great cinematic like a casino death match? We could start on the boardwalk. Right. Yeah. End up the in a casino. You really yeah. enunciated the the L on boardwalk. Um, <laughs> you nailed I've, it. The the you guys were asking about my sweatshirt before we started, and it is it's for the band that is called a word that is spelled T E R R O R. T E R R O Terror. Terror. 
Right. When I say it, it just sounds like T-E and then a bunch of R's. Terror. 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 Terriers. So anyway, I don't enunciate <laughs> letters very well, so I'm, I'm glad you thought I hit that L. Nailed it. I'm good at taking L's. <laughs> All right. I think that's our show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji Heya with two eyes. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and go subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash everything elite. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.